Hey, Shantia B, and you're listening to the Industry Insider Podcast. I am super, super excited to have an amazing boss, leader, <laughs> writer, celebrity ghostwriter, and journalist, Pollyanna Reed. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So to start off, how are you? How are you doing? How is life? I'm doing really good. You know what I mean? I think everyone's taking it one day at a time. I think the hidden blessing and benefit for any workaholic right now is that we're getting the most rest that we've ever had in our lives. And so honestly, I just woke up from a nap. I'm glowing. I'm feeling good. Like I make sure that, you know, I try and prioritize my health first and foremost. And this is the first time in a long time I've been able to do that. Got it. So what have you been doing like as far as like finding that self-care and inner peace for yourself? Um, I'm a big believer in having uh, accountability partners. Um, I am working with a wellness coach. I'm working with um, a mindset coach. You know what I mean? Like I have people who I check in with and um, everything from fitness coaches. So I train th- three times a week at 7am. I'm trying to get my diet right. You know what I mean? Like I just, I'm a big believer in like um, having people on your team who are the best at what they do, who can advise you, um, you know, in the right direction. Gotcha. Yeah. So starting out, you know, in your career, how has it been for you starting your journey, you know, finding that team and having people that you trust and really cultivating that? So I hired early in my career. I'm a big believer in hiring smart and hiring fast. So when I was working my corporate job, I, um, you know, I hired a people uh, that I couldn't necessarily afford to pay, but I, I figured it out. You know, I kind of, I used my corporate paycheck to, um, to pay them. And oftentimes I would go without, um, because I wanted the ball to continue moving, even though I was in the office. And so, um, sometimes you have to, you know, short-term sacrifice, long-term gain, you know, many of my team members on my, who work for my various companies, many of my team members have been with me for years. I don't have high turnover. I think as a founder and CEO, it's your job to paint the vision for them and get them to subscribe to it. And so, you know, many of them have been with me since the days that I was broke and now we've been able to elevate together. Wow. And I think that's such an important point that you mentioned that a lot of people don't touch on is that turnover rate because I'm with a lot of friends that are dealing in that job search rate. And that's a big question that people don't ask. And it's not until they're like three, six months deep. They're like, oh, I just left and I was here a month ago. And it's like, wait, why are you leaving? And why are you leaving? By the time you get everything together, it's a whole new CEO by the time you start. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I. I think loyalty is important. And so I do what I can to make sure that the people who work for me to make sure that they're mentally and emotionally well. And uh, we have a really great company culture. Like I said, I don't have high turnover, which means they must be happy. Yes, absolutely. So let's get into, you know, the job titles. You know, I think, I feel like it's more in like the American culture. A lot of people are so focused on like, okay, who do you are? What do you do? What is your title? But I think, and I'm even speaking personal experience, sometimes you kind of get lost in the sauce and kind of forget, you know, who are you, what are your hobbies? What do you do as a person? So what is your stance and kind of your thoughts on, you know, not letting a title define you, you know, having so many different companies in so many different lanes? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. I am, you know, before anything else, I'm a millennial woman who has fought for her dreams and won. Um, I am that before I am a CEO and founder. I'm that before I'm a writer, speaker, a philanthropist, an author. Um, And I 
if going, you know, if we revisit my early days, you know, I really fought for everything that I have. I mean, I didn't have parents who were, you know, clapping for every win. I didn't have friends and teachers who really saw the vision that I painted for myself. So I had to, you know, break rules. I had to stand up for myself. I really had to um, go against, you know, the odds and um, make this happen. So at the core of who I am, I think that you know, my values are what, you know, my values and my integrity are very important to me. And regardless of what anyone else thinks, I know a lot of people are crippled by outside opinions, but I've always, I it wasn't until I dropped out of college that I became very headstrong and like nobody can really tell me what to do. Um, very, very few people. I would say my mentors are probably some of the only people who can tell me what to do and I'll take that to heart. Um, but most people, when they give you advice, it's rooted in their own fears and doubts and limitations. So I'm very mindful of the people who speak um, life into me. Right. And is there a time, do you remember in your career where you really had a fight for, like there had to be a story you really wanted to write or a teacher that you really had a, a riff with or someone you really had to prove yourself to? Um, I think the fight is every day, to be honest. I mean, I'm young, black and female. And I feel like, you know what I mean, like you're going up against a lot every single day when you're trying to get meetings or landing a client or um, trying to secure the bag. It's, it's something where, you know, because I'm not traditionally educated because I dropped out of school, I really have to, you know, prove myself otherwise. And sometimes you may experience some sexism or racism or, you know, or whatnot, but I feel like um, I just continued to build my expertise in my portfolio. I feel like as females, we have to work. I mean, as black females, yes, but as females, period, we have to work twice as hard. And so um, I'm just really focused on, you know, producing excellent work. I mean, you're only as great as the last project that you produced. Right. And speaking of great work, I've read so many of your articles through Forbes Women. Recently uh, read the B. Simone article, you know, streaming into those millions and making that income. So let's talk a little bit into, you know, those revenue streams for you. How have you been able, you know, in your career, been able to attain multiple streams of income? I think the first thing that you have to think about are like, what are my strengths, right? What are my strengths? What are my skills and talents? And so um, I always thought about the thing that came naturally to me. I think that it's really important to pursue something that has um, the that is the path that has least resistance. So when I say least resistance, I mean like it's not a chore, right? Um, you don't have as many obstacles in the way. For me, that was writing, right? I could easily start a blog and I could build from there. That evolved into journalism, being an author, it evolved into being a ghostwriter, right? Least resistance. Um, I after I started my blog, I then started public speaking. Right. I come from a family of pastors. I come from a family of, you know, amazing public speakers, very natural. I have a natural ability to work a room. Right. Um, and then from there, I started mentoring. Right. I'm a PK. My father's a former pastor. And so, like, I, you know, my family, I come from a family of givers. I come from a family of community activists. I come from a family that will give you the shirt off their back. So um, I started my mentorship program. So for me, I did what made sense. And I also did things that could fulfill a need. I think a lot of people are operating out of desperation. And they're just doing things just to do things or doing things because they think that's going to make them a quick, a quick buck. I do things because there is a problem that exists and what I'm doing, my initiative or my cause or, you know, my business idea solves a problem in my target audience's life. 
Right. And I think that's such a great point you touched on because I think me speaking from personal experience, I've had people reach out, hey, you want to join Forex, this and that, you know, trying to sell the pitch. And I think, you know, ultimately, like, it's a good goal to have, but it's, I think it's all about like trying to find that longevity. And I think everybody in that millennial space is still trying to find those ways of longevity. So do you recommend, you know, investing in stocks, you know, looking into that space also aside from uh, doing additional projects? I mean, yeah, I definitely think that um, real estate, you know, I have friends who are developers. I have friends who are in real estate and that's probably going to be my next move. Um, right now I'm focused on just like continuing to build my company and scaling it. And so I think that like a lot of us start um, solo, right? A lot of us are the janitor, the marketing department, sales department, finance, everything. Um, but at some point you have to learn how to delegate. Your job as a CEO is to grow the business and the team's job is to maintain it. Um, and so I think that it's really important to learn how to master your time and master a team. Um, so without those two things, because the thing is, the more you add to your plate, you're going to end up being good at what eight things, but phenomenal at nothing. Right. So you have to pace yourself and do one thing at a time. Exactly. How have you been able to not feel that burnout, you know, taking so much at once and juggling everything, even though you have a team, you know, to delegate it, you know, it's still like your brand. How have you been able to um, manage that? Um, prioritizing my health as much as I can. I haven't in recent years, I haven't been good at it, but, um, you know, like I said, I work out. And so that is like one hour of the day that nobody can get a hold of me. So it's honestly the biggest blessing. Um, and honestly, delegation is real. The more things I can remove from my plate, the better. Um, and then I have more assurance, less anxiety when I know that I can trust my team to run with the ball. And I don't have to just, because it's one thing to delegate. It's another thing if you're a CEO who has to continue to, to check in, has to continue to look over everyone's shoulder. But I can give someone something and like trust that it's going to get done on time, trust, trust that it's going to get done correctly. And honestly, that saves me a lot of my burnout too, because then I don't have to have my hands in so many pots. Exactly. Yeah, it's so true. And then even now, you know, going, let's go into the perfect pitch because your air, your pitch is airtight. Down <laughs> I, I was like, I read, I was like, I was like her, I've been trying to work on my elevator pitch for the longest time. You know, as you add on more skills, it's like trying to find a way to add that skill in, but still add it everything at once. So how have you been able to master your elevator pitch? And when did, have you figured out the way, you know, to pitch to a certain person at a certain time? It's practice. The pitch that I have today took years to create. I've, um, you have to continue to refine it over time. Um, and depending on the room that you're in, depending on who you're speaking to, depending on the objective of the conversation, you're going to pivot, right? Like I have a few elevator pitches that I use. Um, so I think that people wait until they need it to practice it. You know what I mean? But like if I'm cleaning the house or if I'm driving my car or if I'm, you know, just, you know, working on a project, I may just like quickly recite it over and over and just practice it while so like, so it's second nature, right? So I think, honestly, I think it's one of those things where you have to stay ready, so you don't have to get ready. And so I don't wait until I'm in a room with a very imp important person to test my pitch on them. That's not the time to do that. You know what I mean? I use I use my team, you know, sometimes we do some, some mock conversations and I just make sure that I'm, I'm prepared. And also too, like, it shouldn't be forced, right? Like yeah. it should be conversational. Don't feel like, oh my God, the spotlight's on me and there's all this pressure. It's like, no, like this, if this is what you do and this is who you are and this is who you help, you sh I mean, you should have a pretty natural ability to articulate that. Yeah, I totally agree. Has there been a situation where somebody has pitched to you 
and let's say at an event or somewhere and that's turned into like an instant you know uh, networking uh connection um yeah i mean i would say that honestly like some what turns me off is like um a flappy handshake what turns me off is like bad body language lack of confidence like i'm likely not going to do a deal with you if i feel like you know what i mean if i feel like something's off and so like it goes a long way i mean it's not to say i'm it's not to say that i never feel anxious or scared or nervous but like i don't exhibit those qualities you never know right so i think it's really important to just like believe in your ability right sometimes i'm up against like c-suite executives and celebrity teams and politicians and high power people and it's like yo you got to keep your cool like you know what i mean you gotta you gotta let you gotta let them know that they can trust you to execute the job and i think this i think this comes from my day so in my corporate job i was an executive assistant to ceos and presidents and i like i've had to bust into meetings and speak up on their behalf and and so like i really think it was a training ground for what i'm doing now gotcha yeah totally agree on that i think it just goes back to you know really just being calm and just really being in that state of not getting nervous at all. So um, going into that, let's talk about celebrity ghostwriting. Mm-hmm. I think this is such a great uh, industry, such a great skill. Can you dive a little bit into that and how a person can even get into that space? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yes, I'm a celebrity ghostwriter. So what I do is I help the leaders and doers who are shaping the future. I turn their personal stories into brand assets. So that could be books and keynote speeches. That could be investor pitch decks. It could be op-eds. It could be, you know, um, any brand asset that really helps communicate what their values are, what they stand for, and help uh, deepen the relationship with their audience. Um, so I work with, honestly, the people who have um, power and platforms and respect um, by their audiences. And I love it because it, it requires me to practice critical thinking skills um, because oftentimes I, gotta, I have to crack code. So, you know, when an athlete is coming to me or an entertainer, they're thinking about longevity in their career. They're thinking about life outside the arena or the field or the stage. And so, um, you know, for me, it's about, you know, how can we continue a conversation, contribute to a cause, like what are you standing on? What are you fighting for? Um, And so I think a lot of people are very sensitive to cultural conversations, very sensitive to cancel culture. Um, And so it helps if they have a secret content ninja that they can run things by before hitting publish or pressing send. Yeah, that's um, so amazing. When you're in that space and you know, being that celebrity ghostwriter, does it, but when you have that writer's block, does it, how do you channel and kind of tune out that writer's block? I mean, we cannot have writer's block over here. That is not <laughs> a thing. Um, that's not a thing. I mean, so yeah. one thing, like my team is very collaborative and that's one thing I love about us is like, you know, no man left behind. If one person is struggling with an idea, um, we all jump on a Zoom call or, you know, there'll be several of us on a Zoom call and we'll have a power and a brainstorm session and we help that person. There's no weak links in our circle. Um, So, you know, during the time of civil unrest and COVID-19, you know, I mean, these things are still happening, but early on, we were on Zoom calls until 3, 4 a.m. some nights, right? It's because you only have one chance to knock it out. If it's a public statement, if it's a speech, media training, whatever it is, you have one opportunity and these individuals, these clients are really leaning on us to make sure we get it right because their livelihoods are at stake. 
Right. And how does it work, you know, with deadlines? Do they come to be like, hey, you know, this book I want to write, I need this proposal and like, I don't know, like 30 days or 60 days? Like, how does it really work like that as far as like the line of approvals? I mean, it really just depends on the core objective, right? So like anytime we're working on something, there's a larger objective at hand. So it really just depends on like, you know, what, like the why. So I work with the client on like, you know, realistic deadlines because sometimes what the client has in mind and what's actually realistic are two different things. And so, um, and so yeah, we just, we just make sure that it's a, it's a good time. I, I don't like to work with assholes. I don't like to work with egos. I don't like to work with narcissists. And sometimes you do get that. Um, but I, I just want to do good work. I want to do meaningful work. I want to do work that moves the needle. Yeah. Has, it been, has there been a time you've worked with someone that had like a really high ego and you're like, look. Oh, hundred percent. I've, I've fired myself from, um, wow. I've fired myself once actually. I was working with someone who was, uh, very disrespectful white guy, of course, CEO, um, uh, very disrespectful to me, was talking to me crazy. And like, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what the fuck your title is. I will leave your ass like high and dry. So for me, it was, it was a no brainer. It was a no brainer. You're not going to talk to me crazy, especially when I put in so much work to save you. Right. And I appreciate that so much because I feel like in a lot of the times, you know, when you're in a, a good opportunity per se, and you know, the money's right, you know, people can get jaded and just kind of be mm -hmm. like, you know, let me just bite the bullet. Let me just write it, you know, give it to them and that's it. But sometimes it's like, no, I don't I care like, how much money I, I don't. Mm -mm. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like money is currency. It flows, baby. You know what I mean? It'll come back mm -hmm. around. And so, you know, my, one of my life mantras is that there's always more where that came from. So yeah. like, I honestly, like, I would say like 98% of the time, I don't really worry about money or where it's coming from. I know that like, I just, you know, for me, I focus on impact. I focus on content. I focus on like, I know that God is working behind the scenes on my behalf. So I don't really trip like that. You know what I mean? Like if, yeah. if I fire myself from one client, it's only happened once, but you know, if me and a client don't work out, um, you know, I know there's going to be more on the pipeline. So yeah. I'm not really worried about it. Yeah. I hear that now with COVID and everything still ongoing, you know, I know you've, travel all the time, if not every week, you know, and that's definitely have been put to a halt, unfortunately. How has it been for you, you know, kind of pivot, you know, be very stationary at a time like this? Yeah, um, I've had to take some staycations just so I can continue, because my creative juice comes from travel and comes from world experiences. So when I haven't been able to do that, it's been very, uh, you know, I've definitely had some depressive episodes. So I've been hotel hopping in some cases and just like, getting a little bit of luxury, right? Like I hear that, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's been really, really tough, but I mean, this is the way things, it, this is the way things are now, right? So, yeah. Um, I mean, if that's what I got to do to change the scenery a little bit, then that's what I'm willing to do. Yeah, I hear that. I literally was just saying to my friend, I'm like, can we do a staycation, please, like somewhere just for two days? Because it's like, I, I don't know about you, but like for me, it's like kind of like working from home, like in that space, like it's, it's like the creative block is just like, Mm -hmm. where is sometimes it you just need to change the scenery you know what i mean like i used to get my best ideas on the plane because you know no one can get a hold of me it's just you know it's just me and my thoughts and like and so i don't have that anymore and honestly like i know people are traveling but for me it's just like no trip is worth it right now so yeah. i definitely won't be traveling until probably late next year yeah, yeah, I hear that. Fingers crossed by the summer. Usher's doing his little residency mm -hmm. in uh, Vegas. So I'm trying to go to that. <laughs> so Exactly. Yeah, so hopefully that works out. So now going into everything happening in the world, 
with resolutions, is there resolutions for 2020? Do you have any goals that you still want to close out strong for the end of the year? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would love to find a boom. <laughs> Look. Um, I would, honestly, I'm trying to take December off. That's actually a really good goal of mine. Every year, that's the goal, to be honest. Like, to be able to enter December and not necessarily worry about deadlines or clients or any of that stuff. Um, my birthday's in November, so I always typically um, you know, spend some time alone and kind of reflect. That's like my new year. Um, yeah, honestly, just like right now we're entering fourth quarter. My, I'm focused on securing the bag and just being really comfortable, being able to love on my loved ones. Um, and, um, strategizing towards next year, I'm hiring a CFO. Um, so that's going to be real. I think a lot of founders, um, like myself who are, you know, really, really great at revenue, building revenue, getting these deals. A lot of us are not great at navigating and managing profit. Um, so uh, I'm hiring a CFO to help me strategize and be able to make some plays for the future because he can look at all the numbers and be like, okay, this is where we're, sh this is, um, this is where we should pay more attention, right? This is where we, this is what we should cut off. Like he can help me make strategic decisions. Got it. And to end off, if you could tell anything to your 16-year-old self, what would you tell her? Chase your dreams instead of chasing men. Mm, I like that one. <laughs> That's Girl. a good one. Good It'll stress you out. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you so much for doing this. It is an honor to have you on, and I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. <laughs>